informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America. Great to have you with us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Another exciting show lined up for you here today. We're going to get an update on what's going on with a potential government shutdown, the farm bill, and more. Jackie Fatka from AgriPulse will join us in segment two with an update from Capitol Hill. In segment three, we'll dive into the malaise in the markets going on here right now. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X, will be with us. And later in the show, we'll continue our coverage of National Farm Safety and Health Week. We'll have a conversation with Laura Siegel from the AgriSafe Network. All that and more coming up here today on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Right now, though, to kick off the show, we want to turn our attention to the National Agricultural Aviation Association. Joining us, their CEO, Andrew Moore. Andrew, great to have you on the show with us today. I hope you're doing well. I'm just living the dream, Jesse. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for the time. And for starters, for folks who may not be fully aware of the National Agricultural Aviation Association, NAAA, uh, what can you tell us about what you guys do? Can you give us kind of a background on the association first? Yeah, absolutely. So the aerial application industry uh, that we represent, term of old, of course, is crop dusters, but we've been around for 102 years now. The first aerial application was made in Troy, Ohio in 1921. It's an industry that has continued to evolve and obviously plays a very vital role in crop production and protection. Our members, aerial application businesses across the country, which there's 1,560 and just about all U.S. states, treat about 127 million acres of cropland a year, which is about a third of the nation's cropland, but we also treat forests, pasture land, rangeland, uh, and cover crops. They do firefighting with their single-engine uh, air tankers and also a lot of public health spraying for disease-carrying pests like mosquitoes. You know, it's been around for so long because it provides a valuable service. It's the fastest way to cover a crop. It's non-intrusive, treats areas that are tough to reach by other means of application. And we think about a lot of those tough-to-reach areas and, you know, we, whether we're thinking about small aircraft or helicopters i know drones are getting roped into some of this discussion as well now when it comes to aerial application i mean talk about that a little bit more there's there's a lot of different avenues that can be explored when it comes to aerial application of whether it's pesticides herbicides or cover crops as you mentioned as well andrew uh, yes, and, and other weeds as well. But you tagged it. I mean, we do have 84% of our industry are fixed wing airplanes. Another 16% are helicopters. And, uh, you know, drones are coming in. Um, the drones are pretty specialized in terms of where they treat. I think they're probably, see, we're not only seeing some aerial applications being done that would be treated aerially, but also ground applicators are bringing in drones too. We just had a article in our last magazine and our website is agaviation.org. If you wanted to look at our magazines, but uh, it was how a number of members 
of ours are complementing their operations by bringing in drones to treat some of the areas that are more difficult to reach, maybe that have a lot of power lines or towers near them where, you know, you want to be careful about bringing in a manned aircraft too close to. Andrew, I know when it comes to seeding cover crops, you guys just released some details about cover crop seeding by air here early this fall. have to think there's some advantages to that. Exactly. It's an application that can actually be made pre-harvest of the cash crop, and it allows, which allows for the cover crop, whether it be, you know, buckwheat, rye, legumes, small grains, whatever the cover crop is, to basically grow, have a longer growing season. Um, You know, we're always worried about fall coming in in the first freeze makes it difficult to get a cover crop started. But if you can apply the cover crop by air, and again, it's not intrusive, you're not getting wheels through the field disrupting the, the cash crop, and you can get that cover crop started earlier. And that, of course, is great for a number of reasons for hydrating the soil, uh, aerating the soil, providing additional nutrients for the soil. All that results in slowing erosion and runoff, which helps water quality by reducing you know, sediment into streams, rivers, and lakes, but, but just a natural fertilizer as well. Well, we're talking with Andrew Moore, the CEO for the National Agricultural Aviation Association. And Andrew, uh, as well, before we uh, run out of time here today, I want to ask you, as we look at the entire uh, ag aviation industry, do you foresee any challenges in front of you? Are there any regulatory issues that uh, folks need to pay attention to? Or on the flip side, uh, any any positives, any wins that you could tout for the ag aviation uh, industry right now? Well, the wins just staying on the cover crop story, you know, this is a whole new, well, not a whole new area. This is something our industry's probably been doing for at least 10 to 15 years, um, if not longer. But the win is, to the environment. I mean, we're seeing of our 3.8 million acres of cover crop applications annually, we've done, we've looked at some data from EPA that actually helps sequester about 1.9 million metric tons of carbon dioxide annually, which is the equivalent of, you know, almost half a million cars with carbon combustion engines, taking those off the road by, by that sequestration. So there's a lot of positives. There's there's more federal uh, resources being invested through both the basically the um, uh, bill for two major spending bills that passed a few years ago uh, for infrastructure and the and also for environmental investments as well. So that's a positive. And just by the speed, the ability to treat areas where other forms of application can't treat, uh, we're seeing a growth in, in aerial application and you're seeing a yield increase um, just by the fact that it's not disruptive to the crop. It can treat it faster than any other method. We are seeing yield increases. In fact, Texas A&M did a study a few years back that shows that our industry, it, just from yield increase alone, is worth $37 billion for corn, wheat, soybeans, cotton, and rice. And that doesn't include another, a number of other crops. And the only other challenges, of course, are, you know, we're always working to ensure that pesticides are available for aerial use. So we're working with the EPA to make sure 
you know, they know a lot of stewardship activities, environmental stewardship activities we're involved with and new technologies we're using to be more efficient. And we also have to be careful of, of ground-based obstacles or other obstacles. You know, we want to make sure that there's a compatibility flying in low-altitude airspace with drones and making sure they give the right-of-way to a manned aircraft. And also, we want to make sure towers um, are properly marked and logged into a database so our members know where they are so they can avoid them, you know, and see them. Having them marked with aviation orange and white paint or lights or what have you. Mm -hmm. So we're working with the FAA and and Congress on on that. Well, I know folks can learn more online, agaviation.org. Andrew Moore, CEO of the National Agricultural Aviation Association. Thanks for joining us here today. Thank you, Jesse. Much appreciated. All right, coming up next on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We'll talk with Jackie Facka from AgriPulse on the way right after this. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts and farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. Always reserved. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. 
while we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference, bite by bite. Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, it's time now to turn our attention to what is going on in Washington, D.C. Will we have a government shutdown? Can we fund the government? Will we see continuing resolutions? What does this all mean for a farm bill and everything else that goes along with funding the government? Welcome back to AOA. Thanks for joining us here today. The show brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Joining us now with the latest updates of what's going on in Washington, D.C., Associate Editor with AgriPulse, Jackie Facka is with us. Jackie, great to have you back on the show. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jesse. Glad to be here. Well, the uh, big question I think right now, Jackie, is will we have a government shutdown? Are we going to fund the government and keep things open past September 30th or not? What's the latest you're hearing on Capitol Hill? You know, there's um, always, always fun. Um, it seems like September 30th catches Congress by surprise every year, but it's the same day every year. But um, yes, yeah, so ongoing discussions this week. Um, you know, there's a lot of hardline Republicans that, that seem to want to get this uh, this government on a shutdown. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of discussions this week to, to try to move that along, um, you know, I guess we'll wait. Um, you know, this week, you know, some some days we feel optimistic and other days uh, not as much. Um, you know, there was a deal yesterday that that was supported by some of the Republicans. Um, then you also have, um, you know, Democrats on the Senate side who maybe aren't as happy and also some House Republicans. So mm -hmm. this is not across the finish line yet. I think they're they're trying to. Uh, re reach a blueprint that that shows that that they are looking at the spending levels. Um, so yes, still a little ways to go. Um, I yeah. don't think it's it's a, a clear sailed, sailing path yet. Well, and obviously, if we shut the government down here on September 30th, that's going to have wide ranging effects. We've been through a government shutdown before here. Uh, I believe what five six years ago i think jackie was the last time maybe it was sooner uh, my, my memory doesn't serve me very well on that but we've been down this road in recent memory obviously though a government shutdown has like i said wide-ranging implications so uh, there's a lot of different things that won't be operational there's some other things too you know usda reports or certain things from usda won't be out there available for farmers there's just a lot of impacts if we shut the government down you know, and honestly, I don't think um, government shutdowns aren't good for anyone. And when you have to shut some, you, when you have to shut down, you also have to pay the cost of restarting things. So in some ways, it, it ends up costing more. There's no, there's no fiscal responsibility, I feel like, in a government shutdown, which doesn't really align with some of those hardline Republicans who are trying to be more fiscally conservative in the spending. So yeah, you know, last night there was the um, the House Budget Committee is, is set to consider a, a, a fiscal budget resolution, um, but it's, it's very partisan. So it doesn't necessarily require any cuts to farm bill spending, but it doesn't provide any new money either. Um, so, you know, this is probably one of those here. We're going to put this out here. It's not going to go anywhere um, on the Senate side. But again, sucking a lot of air out of Washington when there's really more important things that they should be focusing on than, than this kind of back and forth. 
spitting match. Yeah, and and I think with that too, I, I've heard some chatter that with maybe some sort of a continuing resolution, some of those hardline uh, members of the House want to take away funding from the SNAP program. And I know overall, in terms of a farm bill, that that's one of the big contentions, I think, in part of the discussion anyway, is all of the funding that goes to the SNAP program, Jackie. I think that's one of the biggest things we're watching closely. Yeah, and you know, farm bill spending um, is is a lot of SNAP funding. Um, you know, so much of that the total cost for the farm bill is is those food nutrition programs, and you know, those already had earlier this summer when we were talking about the budget resolutions, right? That that deal that was supposed to help avert the situation that we're in right now. Um, trying to look at some of the SNAP programs, and you know, they've already kind of been dealt a little bit of blow. They actually extended some of the changes in the work requirements for that program. And so, you know, this is uh, unfortunately uh, a lot of partisan uh, bickering when again, it they just need to get back to doing their business. As In terms of the farm bill, Jackie, I know as it stands right now, it still seems like maybe by Christmas time, if we can get through a government shutdown here, uh, by Christmas would maybe be when we could get a new farm bill potentially done. Although I believe uh, at a Axios uh, press event here this week, both the House Ag Chair G.T. Thompson and Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack didn't really shed, shed any new light on farm bill timing. It's And it seems like uh, some folks are still optimistic by the end of the year. Some folks are not. Yeah, so I was in the same room as both Thompson, uh, G.T. Thompson and uh, Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman uh, Stabenow last week. They were speaking at the International Fresh Produce Association's uh, Washington conference last week. And, and both of them, I think, are are hopeful that they could have something by the end of the year. I think we all know that there's nothing that's going to happen in the next two weeks. Um, you know, G.T. Thompson mentioned, uh, you know, on timing on the floor, once he gets a week scheduled on the floor, I think they'll kind of work back from that. So I, I think he's hoping maybe November, you know, December timeframe that they might be able to get a week on the floor. And so then they would have a markup the week prior. Um, I do know from talking to staffers on Capitol Hill, too, that there's a lot of work that's being done. I think the biggest issue right now is how they're going to fund some changes in the commodity title. And I think mm -hmm. that's where it's a little interesting between Stabenow and Thompson. You know, this meeting that I was at listening to them, they were speaking to the specialty crop growers, which, you know, those folks in the Midwest, we may forget that 44% of the farm gate value is from specialty crops. So when you look at the commodity title, it only covers about 20 crops, but we have hundreds of crops that are grown across the country. Um, and a lot of those, the crop insurance title is the most important thing to them. It's not the um, ARC or PLC levels. Um, it's it's not it's not always even the disaster payments. It's it's how you create the crop insurance program. It's how you fund some of the research for them. And so, you know, there's different priorities there. And I think I think I heard that a little bit more last week coming from Stabenow, who obviously is supportive of Commodity One, but I don't think she's going to back down and just throw any extra money that we can find at Title One, because mm -hmm. when it comes to being truly representative of, of all of agriculture, you know, there's other there's, there's other parts that she wants to prioritize in finding funding. So I think timing wise, there is hope that we could get it passed by the end of the year. If we roll into the start of 2024, there's still a little bit of light. But anytime after, I think, spring of 2024, there's no way with the presidential election. And then we'd have to look at the lame duck of 2024. 
Yeah, a lot of issues there. Uh, balancing all the different uh, commodities under the commodity title, and a great point you raised. It's not just corn, soybeans, wheat, and cotton. It's there's a lot of crops that. Uh, are looking for coverage under this farm bill. And Jackie, uh, I, I think about all of this talk with the farm bill, with the government shutdown. I mean, there's some potential impacts to USDA and different funding avenues there. Uh, so I know that that's something we have to keep in mind as well, just all the different things that USDA handles, Jackie. Yeah, and you know, that's everything. Um, there's a lot of things that come under their jurisdiction too. You know, an interesting part of this farm bill debate, I want to make sure I, I put this in too, a big ask a lot of the groups is a, a doubling in funding for the the MAP, which is a market access program, and FMD, which is the uh, foreign market development program, two really important trade uh, trade funding groups that that operate because of the farm bill. And uh, a lot of groups, a lot of your checkoff groups and, and a lot of um, those those opportunities to build markets overseas, which we know that, you know, that's 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 the bread and butter of, of U.S. agriculture is making sure that we can not only sell our products here, but also around the world. And um, last week, USDA uh, was able to officially say that they're going to use some of their CCC funds to to put some extra money into those that MAP and FMD program. So really important, but also interesting in this farm bill debate because, you know, Secretary Vilsack has been able to do some interesting things with CCC funds. He was able to fund these climate smart partnerships. Um, and so then again, it, it, it's good, right? But then it makes the, the, takes the question of, well, is, is Congress really needed to authorize funding for some of these programs if, if USDA is able to, to kind of, do it on the on the outside and use CCC funds, which is kind of like a big pot of money that they can use for different things. In the Trump era, they did use it for some trade mitigation payments, and they also used it to to do some market development type of things. So again, a, an interesting um, way to address some of these farm bill needs, but maybe not within the traditional way. And does that set up a different way that we could maybe see prioritizing funding uh, going forward that that kind of takes out Congress if they're not able to provide that in a in a certain certain fashion like they have in the traditional farm bill sense. Jackie, always appreciate the conversation. Thanks for joining us here today on AOA and we'll get you back on the show again real soon. And thanks so much. Thanks. Have a good one. Jackie Facka, Associate Editor for AgriPulse, joining us here today on the show. All right, coming up next, we'll talk markets with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Back with more on the way right after this. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. 
In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm Radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. The grains and livestock are mixed this morning. Harvest is continuing to gain momentum in the Midwest, revealing a mixture of results across the region. Once again, the best results relative to normal are in the east, with the more disappointing results being in the western areas. We could potentially see USDA cut yields again in October due to smaller seed size this year. We are getting reports of more disappointing yields being reported so far than the stronger yield results. But the early harvest results can be misleading as well in regard to the overall crop, and few farmers boast about record yields. All traders, though, today will be watching what the Federal Reserve does following their meeting this afternoon. A rate hike today from the Federal Reserve would be a shock to the market. Fed fund futures trading this morning are giving it just a 1% odds of a rate hike, but they're also maintaining 29% odds of a rate hike at the November meeting. Now, will they think that the recent data provides sufficient indication that tightening to this point has been sufficient to eventually bring inflation down to the 2% target, or will more need to be done? Traders will also be looking to the projections for indications on how long rates might be held at current levels before pivoting lower. But traders will also be watching for any mentions of commodity inflation as well in today's statements. Energy prices are excluded from the core inflation numbers monitored by the Federal Reserve, but they eventually obviously make their way into nearly every aspect of the price structure of our economy. Consumers are most sensitive to rising gas prices, but higher petroleum costs go into freight, packaging, and even into wages. Crude oil prices pulled back this morning ahead of today's Fed decision, but that comes after prices reached overbought conditions at fresh one-year highs at $93.74 per barrel yesterday. The VIX is trading near 14 this morning while the dollar pulls back a bit and crude oil prices are now starting to trade a few pennies into the green. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to phoenix our job is to unlock those jobs and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local goodwill here's how we do it when you donate to goodwill we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community so just by teaming up with goodwill you help create jobs and isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band goodwill donate stuff create jobs find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org a message from goodwill and the ad council Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for joining us here on AOA Today, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex, and you can find your nearest Cenex location online very easily. Just go to Cenex.com. Well, fall harvest is here. Maybe these markets are in a little bit of the uh, harvest doldrums, so to speak. 
here to uh, give us an update on what we're seeing across the commodity markets, the stock market, and more. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Arlen, great to talk with you again on AOA. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Jesse. And uh, I think you're right on the harvest doldrums. Now, corn prices have been trending lower. And so this is a little bit of a bounce for them, which we periodically see. When we look at soybeans, though, they've been holding up much better because they have a tighter balance sheet. But now that we're getting into harvesting, some of those early supplies roll in uh, without any real news to counter it, to say that we're going to be short in supplies. We're seeing prices face some weakness, and as the technical weakness increases, those algorithms that create sell orders based on that chart weakness continue to push this market lower. The amount of selling is somewhat limited after a big day of losses on Monday based on the fact that we still do have a tight balance sheet. Um, But overall, nothing to really say come back in and buy this market just yet. Well, Arlen, I have to think as well, uh, the odds of USDA cutting both corn and soybean yield here in the October report, considering all the dryness uh, that we've seen and the the rapid uh, die down, not dry down of many of the crops across the corn belt. uh, I have to think we're going to see a yield cut in October that could impact the market. But to your point, that soybean balance sheet much tighter. So I would think uh, any cut there could have a, a bigger impact than maybe, say, a a one bushel cut in the corn yield because corn's just got so much more supply on hand right now. Yeah, and if we look at this, and I I agree with your overall assessment there, is we're trending lower. Now, from a statistical standpoint, if you look back at the last 30 years, when we've seen those yields go down in August and September, there's really no statistical correlation to going ahead and going lower in October. And the common thinking is small crops get smaller. But statistically, that's not necessarily the case. But it is still my bias based on my agronomy background. As you know, I used to be an agronomist before doing what I'm doing now. And so if you look at the type of the close to the season that we had with the stress, really, especially from mid-August on, um, you would anticipate that you'd see a smaller seed size. And that really doesn't start showing up until you start getting the combine in the field for both corn and for soybeans. And so even the September report from USDA where they actually go out and sample the fields, they're only really weighing uh, what was mature. And for corn, that was about 18% of the crop, and that would have been the best of the crop that was the least impacted by that late season dryness. And for soybeans, it was about 16% of the crop. But now for the October report, it should be a much larger majority of the crop that gets sampled and weighed, plus we'll have more harvest results to impact the farmer survey end of it as well. So that biases me to think that we're going to see USDA lower its yields in October as long as we don't have a government shutdown and actually get an October report. I think it's 2013. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's 2013 when we had a government shutdown and didn't get the October report. It didn't come out at all. And so we didn't know what USDA's update was until November. But there's less room for the for the soybean balance sheet definitely 
My yield model right now, this isn't our Stonex official estimates that come from our customer survey, but my weekly yield model is right now at 171 bushels for corn. And to your point about there being more room for maneuvering there, if you apply 171 bushel yield to USDA's balance sheet with their demand estimates, which I think are too high, you still come up with ending stocks that are almost 400 million bushels above last year's stocks. There's nothing bullish about that. On the Mm -hmm. soybeans, it's a totally different story. My yield model there is right at 50 and continuing to trend lower. And that was a great point you raised about the potential government shutdown impacting USDA reports. I think that's something we need to keep our eyes on for sure. And we know that it's no secret demand is is pretty poor for U.S. commodities. It has been for some time here this year. Uh, look at wheat, though, from not only the U.S. but the world perspective. Seems like maybe a little demand starting to come back in here at some of these cheaper prices in the wheat market. Maybe we found a bottom, so to speak. What What's your thoughts there, Arlen? Well, the wheat market is trying to set yet another bottom. Will this one hold? Time will tell. Um, But uh, Russia frankly continues to set the world wheat price. And we saw the collapse of prices here uh, over the weekend and around the weekend. And that was basically due to reports that Russia was no longer holding to its minimum price. Uh, But then support started coming back in on Tuesday and some short covering came in uh, when we saw some uh, tenders where Russia did hold to its its minimum price, it looks like. And so that provides a little bit of stability. So once again, we're trying to form a bottom in this market. Uh, But frankly, um, the demand for U.S. wheat continues to be very weak. We are seeing Global demand maybe pick up at these prices, but so far Russia is supplying it with record amounts of wheat, and even with re- very reduced amounts coming out of Ukraine, Russia's making up the difference so far. Uh, so there's just nothing to break the trend, so to speak, the longer-term trend yet at this point, because we don't have anything to make the world worry about a tightness of supply. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X here today on AOA. Arlen, uh, the Fed meeting, we're talking ahead of the Fed's uh, announcement as far as uh, will they have another interest rate hike or a pause. But I know that's a, a big point of conversation this week in the markets. What is the, What does it sound like the Fed may do here? What's your take on, on the whole situation surrounding uh, inflation and the Federal Reserve right now? Yeah, the market would be shocked if we have a rate hike today. Uh, Fed fund futures are trading this morning 99% odds of no rate hike, although they're keeping the door open for uh, uh, a little under 30% odds of maybe a rate hike in the November meeting. Uh, What the market will be watching today is some of the projections to forecast, the economic forecast coming out of the Fed members and whether they feel like the tightening that they've done to this point is having enough of an impact to bring inflation down to the 2% target. So that's what will really set the tone. I expect a hawkish statement out of the Fed, but I think there's something else that we're largely overlooking that does affect uh, farmers and those who have loans out there. And and that is the way that uh, longer-term Treasury yields continue to trend higher. 
We set a new 16-year high for Treasury for 10-year Treasury yields yesterday, and repeated it again this morning at just over 4.37 percent. And that's largely because our Congress continues to spend increasing the supply of debt certificates. So you have to attract enough buyers of those debt certificates in order to handle bring supply and demand into balance. At the same time, the Fed is reducing its purchases of those debt certificates as it shrinks its balance sheet to the tune of $1.14 trillion per year. We're seeing China pull back on the number of debt certificates it's buying to the tune of almost $200 billion over the last 16 months of data that's available. Japan is also decreasing the amount that it's buying uh, by, uh, I think it's $120-some billion over that same time period. So the market has to attract new buyers of those debt certificates that Congress keeps creating, and that means it has to have higher yields in order to do so. And so those long-term interest rates keep going higher regardless of what the Fed is doing right now. Arlen, crude oil as well. I, you know, Traditionally, I feel like crude oil is supportive to uh, the grains and livestock here, and you would think $91, $92 crude oil would do that, but it seems like a lot of these other factors we're talking about, these bearish factors are kind of outweighing the surge in crude oil right now. Uh, it is, and part of it's the seasonality of being near the harvest, at the fall harvest, et cetera. And that's part of the factor right now. I, I would expect that eventually the correlation would start coming back once again. But I think crude oil prices moving closer to that $100 mark will eventually have an impact on inflation. And the fund manager's expectations of inflation, which does tend to bring money back to the grain and oil seeds, doesn't necessarily mean a rally, but it does seem to impact them as a whole. Those crude oil prices are pulling back after pushing above major chart resistance yesterday at new one-year highs. Um, but we do have ongoing concerns about demand increasing faster than supply right now with OPEC plus holding back supplies and the current environment in the United States being kind of anti-investing in fossil fuels. Higher prices will bring an increase, um, but in the current environment, it takes higher prices to do that to really fund the expansion of production. Got about a minute here. Cattle, this cattle market continues to churn at these recent highs. Any notes uh, on that side of the equation? Yeah, we still have the tight supplies. We have seen the product prices pull back seasonally. Um, cash market's still kind of expected to be steadied firm this week, uh, but we did put a bearish reversal on the charts yesterday. Last time we did that, late July, we had kind of a $7 pullback before we resumed our move higher. So we're kind of watching to see if we have something similar again this time. Fantastic. Arlen, always appreciate the insight. Thanks for joining us here on AOA today, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, joining us here today on AOA. Coming up next, we'll continue our coverage of National Farm Safety and Health Week. We'll have a conversation with Laura Siegel from the AgriSave Network. AOA brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Back with more right after this. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. 
Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Spot less. Introducing the cleanup for tar spot, gray leaf spot, southern rust, and more. Novel next generation at Astrio fungicide broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for tar spot management in corn. Valid until 131.28. Always read and follow all label directions. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. Always reserved. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home? 
and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA here today, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Well, of course, this week is National Farm Safety and Health Week, and we want to have a spotlight on that here this week on the show. And joining us now to talk a little bit more about why National Farm Safety and Health Week is important, Laura Siegel's with us, Health Communications Officer with the AgriSafe Network, and Laura Thanks so much for joining us here on AOA today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, first off, can you tell us just a little bit about the AgriSafe Network for folks who may not be aware? What exactly do you guys do? Yeah, so we are a national nonprofit. Uh, we're a 501c3. We work to educate healthcare professionals as well as agricultural communities about important health and safety info for those who are working in agriculture, fishing, and forestry. So we really just want to make sure that everyone is as healthy and safe as they can be while they're out there doing work that can help feed and fuel the world. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, of course, uh, this is an important week for, for you guys. I would have to imagine National Farm Safety and Health Week going on here the 17th through the 23rd. And you know, looking at the week as a whole, there's a lot of different daily themes, but I think the overall message, I like what they have used this year. No one could take your place. I think that's so important, especially with har harvest in front of us here, how we just need to make sure we stay safe and stay healthy on the farm, isn't it, Laura? Absolutely. It can be so easy to kind of get lost in that routine, that daily grind, but it's really important to make sure we're aware of our surroundings and doing those safety checkpoints each day, even though we've done it maybe for years, just continuing to be as safe as we can. Yeah. And, you know, there's different uh, aspects during the week that are a little bit more of a, a focus. You know, I think Monday, equipment and rural roadway safety, health and wellness on Tuesday, Priority populations Wednesday, confined spaces Thursday, and then brain health on Friday. All very big topics. And, you know, I know you mentioned a lot of the work you guys do on, on the health side. Uh, you know, mental health and, and things of that nature, I know, can always be such a, a big topic, um, not only during this week, but just in general around the farm as we're uh, putting in long hours and fatigue and so much more. There's a lot that can get wrapped into that, can it? Absolutely. We do have as a lot of resources on our website. Uh, we have our learning lab with recorded webinars. We have 
uh, health hub where people can find different health and safety information, even including tips on different stretches you can do on your farm. Um, but it's really a holistic view of health where it's not just physical. It does matter how much sleep you're getting, that you're still having those social interactions, like getting coffee each day with those people who matter to you, mm -hmm. um, taking time. Yeah, there's so many things uh, wrapped up in that. And I, I think I always go back to this, Laura, and you can maybe expand upon this too, is that you know, we get caught up with, you know, spring planting or fall harvest, trying to get everything done so quickly when we have time. There, there is time to get things done, I think, especially with fall harvest and, and not to rush because the minute we rush, that's when folks get fatigued, they get stressed out and, and accidents can occur, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And it, I'm sure anyone working in agriculture knows it is one of the most dangerous occupations with very, very high rates of injuries and fatalities. So it's important that we're doing those checks, whether it's making sure our clothing is fit, it's not loose, so it won't get caught. Even if there feels like there's not enough time, making sure we're getting enough sleep. Because if you're operating a vehicle or going around on your farm, doing your tasks, not having enough sleep, sleep deprivation is equated to the same as being drunk. It's just as dangerous. So that's another area that really is important to push. But, and of course, just taking time to whether someone takes a one minute walk just to look at the trees or just take a deep breath can go a long way to kind of helping someone recenter and keep that stress kind of under control. We're talking with Laura Siegel from the AgriSafe Network here on AOA today about National Farm Safety and Health Week. And Laura, you mentioned that you guys have a lot of webinars and more and a lot of uh, great resources available on your website. Before we let you go here today, uh, can you tell folks uh, where they could find all that information online? Yes, they should go to our website. It's agrisafe.org slash NFSHW to find the webinars. They're all free to register for. Um, and Agrisafe is spelled A-G-R-I-S-A-F-E. Agrisafe.org forward slash NFSHW. That is uh, for National Farm Safety and Health Week. That's where folks can find more information. Laura, before we let you go, any final thoughts you'd want to share or reiterate to folks as uh, they're working on the farm here and anything you'd want to just remind folks during this National Farm Safety and Health Week? Just that we appreciate the work they're doing so much. I feel like sometimes it can feel like people in the everyday public don't understand all this work and even love that goes into harvesting, especially now that that's in season. And just, I want to thank everyone who's in this field because their work makes a true difference. Fantastic. I could not agree more. And again, uh, find some of the resources that AgriSafe Network has available online, agrisafe.org forward slash NFSHW. We've been talking with Laura Siegel from the AgriSafe Network. Laura, thanks so much for joining us on AOA today and have a great rest of your day. Thanks, you too.
And again, great thoughts there from Laura Siegel with the AgriSafe Network. I know this is a busy time of year. A lot of combines are already running in many areas of the country. Just remember to stay safe. I know that new technology, we can run fast and furious and get this crop in the bin rather quickly, much quicker than we could, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago. But still, uh, just take some time and, and slow down a little bit. Once you're running around the clock and fatigued, that's when accidents can happen. We don't want anyone to get hurt, uh, of course. So definitely just uh, stay safe here during this harvest season. A good reminder here during National Farm Safety and Health Week. We're out of time here on AOA today, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel and Cenex Roadmaster XL. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Coming up on tomorrow's program. We'll have a conversation with Justin Tupper, the president of the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, and we'll talk technicals of the market with Brian Split from agmarket.net. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.